everybody, and welcome to the 57th episode of the Manor Podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Hamilton, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Roger Bodie. Roger, how are you doing today? I'm thrilled. You said I'm your best friend, so we did it. We got there, people. Michael acknowledged that I'm also his best friend. We're friends. He and I both think of each other as good friends. We did it. <laughs> it's only because I carried my weight this weekend in Baltimore, and we got made it all the way to the finals. We would have been bestest ever or super mega friends had we won, but I at least didn't punt so hard that we got to the finals, so we got to at least remain best friends, you know? If we would have, like, oh, two scrubbed, the podcast probably would have been over. No, no. If we OT scrubbed, I would have been sad, and then we could have sulked together. It would have been a bonding moment where we OT scrubbed and sulked together. And had to play th- four more rounds on coverage with no, for no reason. Sure, sure. Oh, maybe O three. If we O three, I, I don't know. Would we have still finished out the tournament if we O three? I don't know, dude. Or they, they would have, have seen some on. wild games of flesh and blood. That's for sure. Because I would just have had zero care anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> just been over it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know how I play games when I'm over it. They uh, they get interesting real fast. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Turner, we had a good time. We ended up losing in the finals to the other Wolfpack team. Michael Fang, Brody, and Dave. Yeah, those guys are okay of question what it turns out. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. But yeah, anything else you want to talk about over the weekend? From over the weekend? Um, that we played in a PTI tournament and oh, I, I got 10th on breakers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you guys, you did real bad. It's one of your worst tournament performances of all time, I think. Yeah, it's, I think it's up there. The, the other only, ah. I can't speak. The other only class constructed tournament I had that was that bad was the side event of the Las Vegas calling where we did team blitz and I played my pro tour chain list with no changes and just got beat up because I was rusty and you cannot play chain if you are not on your A game, I feel like. That's fair. And the realm stuff, you got beat up pretty bad in some realm tournaments as well with me. Yeah, that's true. But I've always had a winning record of those, even if I don't make top eight and payouts only to top eight. So fair enough. Well, you know, actually, no, I think it's not Icelanders time to shine. Yeah, I lost to Lexi twice. I think that matchup is really hard. And then I I beat Lexi because I'm a genius. So (laughs) I lost to uh, Kano as well. And that Kano, the smartest Kano of all time. Yeah, I was very impressed. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't remember his name, but he memorized his pitch stack and stuff, and he just played very well. He was very, very good at Flesh and Blood. So shout-outs to Kano player that I don't remember the name of. I can't believe you don't remember You're Julian looking up right Sniffin's now. name that I totally <laughs> – no, I knew it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, he and I bonded, Julian, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So, but yeah, it was a good weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was. If you didn't see it, go check out the coverage on Savage Feet's YouTube channel. There, that's Mansant's new coverage and production team. So, yeah, good times. I was really happy with like the overall quality of everything, and ultimately, I don't think they could build a better narrative for you know a team tournament than you know picking a team and then following them all the way to the finals. That's crazy. Yeah, it, when Ethan first talked about the idea with me, because he had this idea, and I'm like, what happens if we just like scrub out of the tournament? I'll feel so bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's like, hopefully that doesn't happen, but we'll, we'll try to have a backup if it does. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. But, yeah. Remember what I said? I, I also want to say before the tournament started, I was like, I think there's a 30% chance we win the tournament. I think there's a 30% chance Brody's team wins the tournament. And I think there's like a 30% chance that anybody else in the field wins the tournament. We'd say 33.33 repeating, of course, you know, one third. Uh, 
And look at that. I, I was I hit my 66 percenter to one of us, one of our two teams in the finals. Because the Wolfpack's the best team in flesh and blood, and it's not close. <laughs> Can you the name the last major tournament where there hasn't been a Wolfpack member in at least the top eight? Where and also on the on the PTI, it was Travis versus Brody in the finals. So all tournaments all weekend long were mono Wolfpack members in the finals. All all two of these tournaments. Yeah, all two. A hundred percent of the tournaments had a hundred percent Wolfpack members in the finals. <laughs> Okay. And what's a hundred percent of a hundred percent, Michael? A hundred percent. Yeah, there you go. We did it. <laughs> That's just math. Oh yeah, buddy. So, well, what's ninety percent of a hundred percent? Ninety percent. Look at you, Mister Big Brain Math, Michael. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going off the rails. So this we'll week, back. let's, we'll get, let's back. get back back on the rails. This week, yeah. We wanted to talk about budget decks. So we're kind of in a spot in the class constructed format where the most competitive, most of the com- super competitive events are over until Dust Till Dawn comes out. I think there might be one or two more events, but nothing I'm going to. So everything's over. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to kind of uh, go back to our last budget episode where we put out some decks and that episode like really helped a lot of people get into the game, give friends and other people good starting points with decks that you can pick up for less than a hundred dollars, less than $200, not spending too much money on them and just get into the game and start playing class constructed, which is at least one of the best formats in the game, if not the best format. So yeah, we wanted to go back and come up with some new budget deck lists for people that are looking for a cheap deck to play to get into the game yeah and these aren't the best decks in the world obviously you know being budget decks but i think these are all decks that you could happily take and play it um to a calling i've played some of these decks on talishar and have about like a a 50 50 winning record on talishar um so these decks definitely can you know win games and they're not just um you know budget decks just to be for the sake of being budget like we considered like actual like viability and winning games when building them and with that being said i don't mind if you don't mind michael i'm going to start off because i think this is like i couldn't believe how cheap this deck was when i finished putting it together like this deck is 20 dollars <laughs> 100 right, cards for classic constructed for a hundred dollars or sorry for for twenty dollars, hundred cards, eighty cards, eighty cards for class constructed for twenty dollars. I don't know where a hundred came from. I I was adding eighty and twenty, and you know we were at a hundred percent earlier. Anyways, eighty cards, twenty bucks. Heat wave, we're Fi Rising Rebellion, and we're playing Heat Wave for arms, Mask of the Pouncing Links for head, Sash of Sandakai for our chest, Searing Ember Blade for our sword, and Snapdragon Scalers for our boots. So. Sash of Santa Kai is there because you want an instant speed way to get resources so you don't have to break the chain because so many of the draconic cards care about, you know, how many draconic cards are on the actual chain itself. So I originally had something like um, Heart and Cross Strap in there, but then I realized you would have to break the chain in order to activate that effect. And that's not really something that Fi really wants to have to do. And I was thinking about it and Heat Wave especially if you're playing um, this other card we'll get to in a second and you're able to pull it off. Um, you can actually get like pretty consistently like two or three value out of it. If you're, if you attack with like, you get two value out of it. If you attack with uh, two Phoenix flames on the turn and if you attack with all three, then you get three value out of it, which is really good. Um, so I wouldn't say really, really good, but like it's a fine piece of equipment considering there are still decks out there playing like iron rot boots and stuff like that. So uh <laughs> to start us off at red we have uh three blaze headlong three brand with cinder claw three flame call awakening three lava burst three lava vein loyalty three mounting anger three phoenix flame three phoenix form three rise from the ashes three rising resentment three snatch three spreading flames and three uprising so uprising is kind of taking the place of art of war which is kind of the more traditional pump or like like uh way to boost all your attacks for the turn 
um, uprising not quite as good um, since it doesn't replace itself but it does block it's an non-attack action that does block and um, it's still getting the job done ultimately overall for the deck uh, at yellow we have three brand with cinder claw and three salt the wound so salt the wound and uh, lava burst obviously are going to be the cards with two or less power that you're going to want to have to tutor off of your mask of the pouncing links and we're going back to the value of equipment then mask of the pouncing links when you're able to like destroy it and get like six a six to power attack off of it that's one of the best rates of the game i guess you're only doing it for five if you don't have uh tiger stripes you go usually uh going but um, if you wanted to upgrade this deck, Tiger Stripe Shoot goes $40, and it takes this deck costing from $20 to $60. If you put Tiger Stripe Shoot on it, pretty easy, simple, quick upgrade to still keep it under $100. Um, and then at blue, we have three Brand, brand with Cinderclaw, three Fluster Fist, three Lava Vein Loyalty, three Soul Beat Strike, and three Stab Wound. Stab Wound can be any two power, three block, ninja, attack. It really doesn't matter. I just picked that because it's new and it's pretty cheap um then in the sideboard i have one tide flippers for arcane barrier three breaking point three humble three infectious host two oasis respite one razor reflex and two energy potion so breaking point infectious host and razor reflex are probably the cards i'd want to put in against lexi uh razor reflex mostly to pu help push over breaking points um in order to actually blow up their arsenal if you actually get it off then um, it could just be game over against Lexi on the spot. Uh, Infectious Host is really good against the Rangers or anybody who's giving you any of those new diseases. Give them right back to them. Uh, if they play Codex of Frailty and you play an Infectious Host and you give them back a Frailty token, that's really annoying for Rangers to deal with. Humble is good against um, Dromai as, um, because it's a popper, and if you threaten to attack with it and turn off her hero, hero ability, then like she can't uh, give her Dragon's Go again. And Oasis Respite and Energy Potion um, are there for any local wizards that are still running around uh, in your local meta. So that was kind of the thought process behind making the deck. And I imagine just the main deck is good enough to just go and race and compete with the best of them. So good budget deck option. Um, I think it's completely viable local armories um, and just... Twenty dollars is I I don't that for getting into a game I you, you just can't do better than that. Yeah, when when they designed Fi, I think it was intended to be a deck that new players can pick up and play and learn the game with him. And it's not to say Fi is easy to play to its fullest potential because it's not. Like even like very skilled players still make mistakes with Fi and aren't maximizing every hand perfectly. But Fi is intuitive and a great place to start playing the game and for $20 that's just like none, none of the other decks that at least I could find or come up with were anywhere close to that I think my cheapest one's around 40 yeah and my next one's going to be stretching the budget consideration it's going to be like $150 so I figured I'd offer one that's ultra budget and one that's like medium range budget and then obviously anything above that you want to start going and spending more money on more power to you buddy mm -hmm. So I guess if we want to just go in order of cost, so you started with your $20 one, my next one's 40 and then I have one for around 60 afterwards. I can do those two and then we'll finish with your $150 one. Does that sound like Go for it. Okay. So my $40 deck is a Dromai deck. It's heavily inspired by Mara Ferris's list that she took to second place at Pro Tour 3. Who? It's a very... Mara Ferris. Doesn't... It's not... Not ringing any bells, but go ahead. No, your your Twitter rival. <laughs> I don't have. We a also hung out with her last last weekend at the tournaments. It's um. Uh, are you saying there's like some kind of picture also on Twitter of me passing to Mara Faris in a monarch draft that we did over the weekend? That that is potentially something you could find on Twitter if you went if you went hmm. digging for. It. I'll have to so, I'll have to find it. So. The idea of this deck is it's very aggressive. It's basically mono red in the main deck and it has some blues in the sideboard, but it's playing all reds into most matchups. And your goal is to get basically four points of value out of as many cards as you can. And then um, also have dragons because the dragons are really strong if your opponent's not just popping them. So zero for fours and dragons. And you're not totally reliant on your dragons because you just have these efficient zero for fours. 
Um, so I'll go ahead and read the deck. It is, uh, like I said, it's a Dromai deck. And for equipment, the chest is Seeker's Galay. The hat is Seeker's Hood. The legs are Snapdragon Scalers. And the arms are Wave of Reality. So I believe it's Seeker's Seeker- Gillette, by the way. Is it Gillette? Yeah, because it's the best your armor can get. Gillette pronunciation. I'm Googling it right now. Gillette. Okay. Is that... Okay. (laughs) So, uh, Wave of Reality essentially just blocks for two. It blocks for one on the first hit, and then you get a Spectral Shield, which will block for one. Snapdragon Scalers is really important to give some of your attacks go again. And then the two Seekers equipment are great, especially when you're going second. You can just pitch a red to activate them to rent one damage and create an ash. And then at the end of your opponent's turn, you'll just draw back up if it's the first turn of the game when you're going second. And it's also really important to have ways to generate those first ash in the game because it can be really challenging for Dromai to do that. So Seekers fill that role pretty well. So the whole deck is red. So, or the whole main board is red. So I'm just going to read through it. There's three Billowing Mirage, three Blaze Headlong, three breaking point, three burn them all, three dust up, three invoke Asvali, three invoke Chromai, three invoke Kyloria, three invoke Mirgai, three invoke Uvia, three invoke Thamai, three invoke Yenderai, three rake the embers, three ravenous rabble, three scar for a scar, three sigil of solace, three skittering sands, three snatch, and three sweeping blow. And then this is a 57 card main deck, and then you'll bring in other cards depending on the matchup, and you can trim some cards to bring in other cards too if you need to, but... For the sideboard, there's three Fate for Scene and three Sink Below, just zero for four defense reactions. Anytime they're attacking you a lot and you expect to get attacked every turn and you just want these to cover up damage, you want to get four points of value out of your cards as often as you can, and these help you do that. There's three Infectious Host. Roger talked about this a lot uh, on his last deck he was talking about, where it's great against the Lexi decks or Ranger decks or Usury also, that when they just give you these... In- infections frailty or blood rot or even inertia it just hands it back to him on top of just being a zero for four just a good rate for a card then there's three sand covers which not that you really need more help against kano but it really kind of <laughs> makes sure that matchup's great um it's also good against heroes like azalea and bravo where they're relying on dominate to push attacks through your defenses uh sand cover just giving something ward for just helps you cover this up pretty well and then there's six blues in the sideboard. Also, there's three energy potions and three passing mirage. These are for mostly for Icelander. Um, passing mirage is also good against Rhinar or Bravo or any decks that have a high number of poppers. And then there's a Nolverin hood for wizards. Okay. Um, and then if you, this, this deck in total costs about $40. If you want to upgrade the deck, um, the biggest thing you can do to upgrade the deck is get a flame scale furnace. It's around a hundred dollars. It's a chess piece that I'm looking at the cheapest one on TCG Denver. player right now for $75 reduce. So oh, cool. Cheaper than I thought, but um, this will really take the deck to the next level where you can, um, you get multiple extra points of block on your equipment, which is huge. And then you can also just pitch extra reds. Like if you play a dragon attack with a dragon and they pop it, you can just pitch the, let's say you're planning to attack with your dragons and then attack with a dust up or something, but they pop your dragon. So, and your arsenal's full, you can't play the dust up. So you can just pitch it to furnace and turn it into an ash, which is pretty nice upside. And then it also allows you to run some cards that you can't play in the deck without flame scale furnace. It's hard to really play too many two costs cards without flame scale furnace and then you can also replace sweeping blow with flame call awakening when you have flame scale furnace because it allows you to tutor up that phoenix flame and then pitch it to furnace to get an ash that you would get from playing the dust or from playing the sweeping blow and then you also get two resources to follow it up with something else so that's the biggest upgrade um other upgrades you can make is getting enlightened strike it's about 30 dollars a copy uh it's just a really powerful card it's very flexible and it's great. And then um, you could upgrade the hat to either Arcanite Skullcap for about $50 to $60 or Crown of Providence for about $200. Um, they're the best hats in the game at generic. They see play in most decks that don't have legendary hats of their own. And if you do make this change where you get one of the hats and you get Flame Skull Furnace, you should uh, make sure to replace your Wave of Reality gloves with a Seeker's Mitt because it's really important to have at least one piece of Seeker's equipment. Yeah, makes um, sense. That's that's about it for Dromai. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can get on board with this deck just because I don't think um, <laughs> anybody could win with draw my budget or not. But I mean, uh, I guess for like getting people into the game and at least getting them down to sit down uh, and play games of Flesh and Blood so they can learn about the different, more playable, better heroes in the game, um, you can't really complain about $40. I've lit worse $40 on fire, you know? Uh-huh. And I guess you... <laughs> Notorious Dromai <laughs> hater, Roger speaking on the topic. So uh, my next deck is a Katsu deck. It's about $60. And the goal with this deck is you're trying to assemble the combination of Surging Strike into a Gust Wave attack into Bonds of Ancestry. And when you play Bonds of Ancestry, you can banish an attack with combo from your discard to search your deck for another copy of that card and then banish it and you can play that copy this turn. So... Uh, surging strike into descendant gust wave into bonds of ancestry is you need uh you need four cards to do this because you need a resource card for surging strike and then descendant gust wave and then bonds of ancestry so four cards and you get a ton of damage out of this you get five from the surging strike five from descendant gust wave and then four from bonds is 14 and then you get four more four more damage if you search for dishonor or a red fluster fist and that's 18 damage off four cards it's very, very good, very, very powerful. Um, so I'll go ahead and read through the deck. Again, it's Katsu. The Wanderer. The Wanderer. I'm realizing I did not put the weapons in this deck. Oh, so you don't play any weapons? That's bold. <laughs> so for equipment, there's Breaking Scales, Heart and Cross Trap, Mask of the Pouncing Links, and Snapdragon Scalers. Wait, I didn't put wep- a weapon in the draw my deck either. So we'd have to cut one of the energy potions from the draw my deck to get the. Oh no, that means we uh, can't give any of our dragons go again, actually. Michael no. just <laughs> trying to sabotage people. Draw my oh. is unplayable. None of the, how do the dragons get going? <laughs> I'll fix <laughs> or it. attack with the dragons. <laughs> they can get going again, but how do I attack with them? They don't say attack. <laughs> so I'll, I'll have the updated decks in the description. Um, oops. But for equipment, there is Breaking Scales, Heart and Cross Strap, Mask of the Pouncing Links, and Snapdragon Scalers, um, and two Kadachis. So the biggest things are Heart and Cross Strap allows you to play a Surging Strike without pitching a card for it. And because Surging Strike is the only card in that combo that costs resources, you can, with Heart and Cross Strap, you can play this the Bonds line off of just three cards rather than needing four cards because you don't need the resource card. And um, Mask of the Pouncing Links also allows you to tutor up the combo pieces. You can tutor up a Descendant Gust Wave or a Bonds of Ancestry with Mask of the Pouncing Links. You can't get the red versions of them with it. You have to get Blue Bonds or Yellow Descendant Gust Wave, but it's still really powerful to be able to get them. Blue Bonds converts to six damage, and the Yellow Descendant is four damage on its own and enables the Bonds. So if it's following up a Surging Strike, so still very powerful. And then uh, moving into the deck. At red, there's three Ancestral Empowerment, three Be Like Water, three Bonds of Ancestry, three Descendant Gust Wave, three even bigger than that, three Fluster Fist, three Hundred Winds, three Ravenous Rabble, three Scar for a Scar, three Snatch, three Soul Bead Strike, three Surging Strike, three Whelming Gust Wave. At yellow, there's one Bonds of Ancestry, two Descendant Gust Wave, one Hundred Winds, three Surging Strike, and one Salt the Wound. And at blue, there's one Bonds of Ancestry, three Fluster Fist, three Whelming Gust Wave, three Dishonor, and three Winds of Eternity. In the sideboard, there's three Flick Flack, one Reinforce the Line, three Sink Below, two Energy Potion, three Lord of the Wind, Lord of Wind, one Arcane Lantern, and one Tide Flippers. So, for the most part, you are just trying to assemble the combo with of the Surging Strike and the other cards that we talked about. Um, even bigger than that combines really nicely with Snatch to just threaten Go again on a really powerful attack. Um, the zero for fours with natural Go again, like Ravenous Rabble and Scar for a Scar, are very good because they can turn on your Mask of the Pouncing Links and your Katsu abilities. If you're able to keep a four or five card hand, you can use them to kind of force through your Katsu trigger to be able to go get the combo piece you need. Even if your opponent wanted to block out your Surging Strike, now you start with Scar for a Scar before the Surging Strike, and then you're going to be able to go get your combo. 
Alternatively, you can lead with Surging Strike, and if it hits, you can then discard your Scar or your Rabble to go get the, the Descendant Guest Wave or the Cowl Piece that you want. And if they block out the Surging Strike, then you can just play the Scar for 4 damage, which is still a pretty solid rate. Um, for the okay. sideboard, there's a bunch more blues. Against Ice decks, you need more blues. And then there's a bunch of defense reactions, the Sync Flow and Flex Flack to fight the Rangers and reinforce the line. Similar to Sand Cover, you're looking to cover up big dominated attacks with it. So um, aside, like what are like the main upgrade pieces you would think would be for this deck? Yeah, so the... Final Spring Tunic? So the... The biggest upgrades, I think, one is Mass Momentum. You aren't playing this card in every matchup, even if you have it, against a lot of decks that have good blocking equipment and are happy to block a reasonable amount. You still would play Mask of the Pouncing Links, but Mass Momentum really shines against Dromai because you can attack at dragons and they count as Chainlinks hitting to get your draw card. They're also It's also quite good against both the Wizards and the Rangers because they have a significant lack of good blocking equipment so it can really force them to make some awkward blocks to deny you that card draw um the other big upgrade is enlightened strike it just makes the deck better and it combines very nicely with the quicken tokens you get from even bigger than that where you can then use enlightened strike as put a card on the bottom draw a card and get go again so that's a single card for five points of value because you're replacing the other card with the draw card enlightened strike um Last upgrade is Final Spring Tunic, which again about two hundred dollars, and it's good against the grindier decks. But in most aggro matchups, you're looking to play Heart and Cross Trap anyway, so you're not you're not giving up equity against a lot of decks by only having Heart and Cross Trap. But against the slowing, slower, more controlling decks, you definitely want Tunic if uh, you are willing to spend the money on it. Basically, fair enough. Any, um, anything else about the Catman? The cat, <laughs> Misty was meowing in the background when he said that. Yeah, he's like, Katsu, cat, kitty cat, meow, meow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the last thing is there's that yellow salt the wound that I talked about. It's similar to how you would use it in five, where sometimes you're going to mask the pouncing links to tutor for it. You're really looking to get at least five points of value out of your pouncing links. I think the longer the game goes on, the more you're willing to come down on how much value you need to get out of it. If you're both at like five life and you can cash it in for four damage, it's probably worthwhile to do that. But early in the game, try to get at least five, maybe even six points of value out of it. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I think that's about it for Katsu. Okay. So this is going to be now um, pushing it, I guess, in terms of like overall budget, budget. But uh, I also think this is going to be probably one of the most like tournament viable, almost good to go decks um, that we've talked about so far. And it's um boomer bravo um i almost played a very i played a very list like maybe five or six cards different uh than this in chicago uh, a couple months ago at the release of outsiders i think bravo will be fine you know solid 1.5 um deck or something like that um and people still take him and love the hero to like events like collins and things like that so as far as like um pushing this to like the most you know like tournament viability and things like that um i think this is a great place to start and the stack price might even come down a little bit with old him rotating so um i don't know that uh guardians overall and their cards are going to be the most in demand uh going forward so or at least for in the immediate future um so yeah um, I guess to start with, I'll go with the equipment, which is Anathos, Crater Fist, Helm of Eisen's Peak, um, Iron Rot Legs, and Tectonic Plating. Obviously, uh, a lot of the price of this deck is going to be wrapped up in that Tectonic Plating. So if you did want to kind of make it more budget-friendly, you can look to replace that with um, something else. But I just think it's so integral to Bravo's strategy overall, and um, it's not the most most expensive card um i think i was just looking at prices before this and i think it was like 50 60 bucks or something like that it 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 was cheaper for a while like um i think when i first built this deck when i was thinking about budget decks like a month or two ago tectonic plating was uh like 30 bucks or something like that it was it was crazy low for 30 a while. it's crazy 
Yeah. For a legendary That's... from Welcome Wraith, like tectonic plating was like really low. Yeah, I remember looking up uh, Scavskin Leathers, which I was also looking at brute decks for this episode, but I just didn't have a deck that I was happy enough to kind of go through on the for everybody. But Scavskin Leathers was around 40 something, and, and I, it's hard to imagine that tectonic plating would be cheaper than that. Yeah, it was thirty eight fifty three at its lowest. Right now, it's forty seven dollars for the Welcome to Wraith version, um, and it's thirty nine dollars for the History Pack version. So, I mean, like, uh, as far as legendary pieces of equipment go, I think it's one of the most powerful effects out there at the moment for its price point. Like forty dollars, I think, is a pretty good deal for. Uh, a legendary as powerful and as iconic arguably as tectonic plating but that's just one man's opinion and we'll get into the rest of the deck uh so for the deck we have three choke slam three crippling yeah three crippling crush three sigil of solace three yeah um no yeah i wouldn't play blue sigil of solace or blue sink below um Three Choke Slam, three Crippling Crush, three Sigil of Solace, three Sink Below, and three Zalus Belting. Then at blue, there's three Buckling Blow, three Choke Slam, three Cranial Crush, three Debilitate, three Disable, three Fine Dolls Fighting Spirit, three Imposing Visage, three Macho Grande, three Rouse the Ancients, three Showtime, three Staunch Response, three Terra Thunder, three Thunderquake, and three Unmovable. In the sideboard, there's one piece of Nolrun Boots, one piece of Nolrun Gloves, one piece of Nolrun Hood. Um, there are three Buckling Blow, uh, three Pulverize, three Spinal Crush, three Unmovable, and three Buckle. And basically against Lexi, you're going to want to be bringing in those Buckling Blows and Buckles in order to try to snipe the new Horizon. Um, because if you get that off, Lexi will just kind of crumble. Um, she, she needs her Arsenal slots in order to consistently push her high-value turns. Um, and then on top of that, you have just a bunch of really punishing on-hits against that deck that you're able to... Uh, dominate with Brava's ability like spinal crush uh crippling crush choke slam like all those are just kind of like lights out against lexi if you actually like hit and land their crush effects and you also at the same time block really well you know the deck is just mostly three three blocks you're gonna have really consistent turns on most turns and uh you have a lot of blocking equipment as well in order to um you know soak up and help kind of uh mitigate the hit effects of the arrows so uh that's kind of like the core reason of i would say if like lexi remains a very popular deck at your like local meta like you go to your local armory and it's just like mono lexi players or something like that and you don't have the biggest budget in the world but still want to you know remain competitive with like these tier one lexi decks i think this deck um is going to be one of your best options to do so for you know around 150 bucks so if you are looking to spend more than $150 or once you've played this deck for a while and you want to make some upgrades, what would you be looking to improve about the deck? If... Get some Command and Conquers. Uh, then you could throw the Command and Conquer Pummel package in as well um, instead of the buckle, buckle, Buckling Blow kind of package. Um, you could also run um, Find All Spring Tunic and that kind of opens up some different angles with the deck for some kind of more technical plays and options that you can get with uh bravo but that's getting very much in like the weeds of like you know you really want to maximize your percentages against like slower grindier decks or make sure you're getting more uh you're getting different value angles by making sure you when you want the fourth resource uh to attack with something like a choke slam you have the two to counter instead of having to activate uh, tectonic plating to get the seismic surge like there's like very niche reasons why you would play like final spring tunic um, but it's obviously not needed at all to like have the core uh, essential to the deck. Um, and then obviously the biggest one is going to be the headpiece in the Helm of Eisen's Peak. Uh, even if you want to just even do like another uh, 50 bucks, get it to an even 100, uh, you can get uh, Archonite Skullcap, um, solid headpiece that you can uh, use. So... Um, Obviously, then if you start looking at Crown of Providence, though, that's another $200 piece of equipment. So uh, if you want to upgrade slots, you definitely could throw probably another easily $600 at this deck, get it to that clean thousand mark. But as far <laughs> as just thousand, sitting down, 
clean thousand uh <laughs> and e-strikes and things like that like you could just all the all the generic staples that we've mentioned for all of these decks so far i think command and conquer has been the big one that we haven't mentioned so far um mm-hmm. just because it's probably a little overplayed and like um it's like fine but like a lot of people just love it and throw it in everywhere it's very powerful but i don't think it's uh, deserves its sheer ubiquity. And I think we'll see less and less of it as time goes on and more cards get added to the pool. Um, but anyways, so yeah, that's kind of why um, I want to talk about Bravo. I'm a little bit of a Bravo believer. I don't, like I said, I don't think he's going to be like a tier one amazing uh, beat everything deck in the future with Destil Dawn, but I think he'll remain a solid 1.5 deck um and even depending on like how the meta shakes out like if prison comes back in a major way or something like that you could start adding cards like lead the charge or start getting multiple action points and things like that but um that's kind of getting more into theoretical la la land kind of deal so i don't know (laughs) what are your thoughts on budget bravo i think it sounds solid for i think if you go to that $200 price point and get the skull cap. You have like a very, very solid deck. That's like definitely capable of taking down armories and competing with a lot of the, the decks that are like considered tier one are very good. So I mm-hmm. I think if you're committed and you enjoy the play style of guardian, which is, or I guess if you think you might enjoy the play style of guardians where you're just like swinging big attacks, blocking efficiently and really stopping your opponent from doing what they want to do a lot of the time forcing them to block, forcing them to kind of react to your big on-hit effects, then Bravo is a solid deck and a good spot to go, I guess. Yeah, it's not as defensive, obviously, as old him. You know, you're not looking to just, like, block, block, block nonstop and just swing your hammer on a lot of turn cycles. Like, you will eventually hit pivot points in the game where you'll want to take a good chunk of damage and swing back one of your disruptive effects with dominate potentially so um i think he's also a great hero for learning aspects like that then kind of figuring out like what matters and what doesn't matter um in like game cycles and it's a deck like bravo forces you not only to learn your own deck in a proactive way but also what your opponent's doing which one of your crush effects matters at different times which ones don't um so i think just overall like there's a lot of really positive things about the deck yeah for sure i agree with that and he's about to get a sweet new card from dust Old on um in that one that makes a seismic surge when it blocks and crush they can't cast cards with power for the damage it's dealt or something like that i forget the name of the card starstruck starstruck yeah so starstruck is also star. gonna come up. yeah and he's struck from cc <laughs> uh so yeah that's kind of our four budget decks that we covered um but ultimately you know the best budget way to get into the game is have a good friend buy some blitz decks or a box and just sit down and do sealed um play some uh intro games and figure out what's going on and i think especially like um picking a set that looks cool to you spending 80 dollars and just like trying to build decks with what you have is is a really fun experience for like getting into games and i don't think it should be overlooked and yeah so that's yeah, how we I, got I in, right? It's, yeah, we you bought a bunch of products. We played a bunch of we played Blitz first with the pre-built Blitz decks, and then we started playing Sealed and just had a blast playing Sealed. And then eventually we started transitioning to Constructed, but that wasn't for quite a while. Basically, like after the calling in Cincinnati is when we started. Really playing so like two months. Yeah, two months. Two months of having a great time playing a bunch of Sealed. Sure, that's fair. And uh, what you notice about that story is we didn't go to www.tcgplayer.com and just spend $2,000 on the tier one <laughs> decks immediately and expect to walk in and start winning events. Like, uh, that's just not how people get into card games. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts on budget decks overall? 
we can talk about uh, some exciting Dust Till Dawn things that are going on next, though, to wrap things up. Uh, I guess I just want to say, if you're like on the fence about buying into Flesh and Blood and like seeing these decks that are like $20, $40, $60, and they're all like very like reasonable, you could have a good time at Armory, get a lot of good experience in. And if if you're looking at diving into Flesh and Blood, I think the game is in a very good spot. and. I think it's going to keep growing. And if, I don't know if it's just a very good game and there's a reason we make a podcast on it. We love the game. So you should check it out. You should do it. (laughs) Pull the trigger. Yeah. Not the most unbiased source between the world champion, having a (laughs) podcast and traveling around the world, playing the game. Obviously uh, we like it a little bit. So yeah. Hope to see you uh, at a tournament one day. Mm-hmm. all right what did you want to talk about monarch or dust on so the game is really good and well designed and everything like that but except for illusionist because what in the hell is going <laughs> on with illusionist michael <laughs> what is happening with these dust on spoilers uh so i think they really weren't happy with how auras played how luminaris just made all your auras into attacking for one over and over again and i think a lot of the community wasn't really happy with how these spectral auras played either. And they're like, okay, we got to make, we got to take new prism in a different direction. The only other direction is these Herald attacks that she has from before. So they're trying to emphasize them with this new attack reaction that gives plus four to a Herald. And then I can't, there's the, the new zero for five defense reaction. That's really uh, sure is a thing. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll talk about that first one. Uh, There's Angelic Wrath, which is at red. Uh, Instant, it says target attack with Herald of the Saint gains plus four. So zero for four at instant speed, it's a pretty good rate. Zero for four doesn't cost your action point. That's that's really good. Um, Mm -hmm. Just the downside, obviously, is that it has to target a Herald attack, presumably with Phantasm. So if that Herald gets popped, uh, you're you're not wrathing it. Or you could, but I don't know why you would want to. Yeah, I think there is a window where the the Phantasm trigger goes on the stack that you can play this card, but it doesn't do anything if it's just getting destroyed anyway. So no point in doing that. Yeah, and seems poor. This card, this card does have some pretty big downsides. It doesn't block at all. It's not like a lot of the attack reactions just block for two, but this card is an instant and does not block at all. So I'm not sure power level wise. It seems very good if you can consistently like remove the phantasm from your attacks with cards like passing mirage or the, the gloves. What are the gloves called? The prism gloves, whatever they're called. Dreamweavers. Yeah. Dreamweavers. Dreamweavers. Uh, effects like that. Do, do make those cards. Yeah, you crack dreamweavers attack with Herald of Erudition <laughs> cast angelic wrath on it. Hit draw two cards before the uh, effect resolves. Use one of your new cards. Or is that an action? I is think the, the new weapon, Luminar is an action? Oh, no, it's an instant. The weapon's an attack so, reaction. Yeah. Oh, it's an instant? Yeah, it's an instant. So then after you've drawn your cards, you can pitch to have the attack game go again before it resolves, and then you have one card left over to do something with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I could see we'll that see. line happening. And then, like, you need your you need your um, your phantasm or your heralds to hit to put them into your soul, which new prism assume I think I think cares about that. So this attack reaction can help push your attacks over if your opponent's just like blocking them out. Like they block your herald of erudition with a three block and some armor. They block your red war tune herald with a three block and a zero for four defense reaction or something so you can push them over get the cards into your soul and that'll matter to you quite a bit yeah and then as far as the defense reaction is concerned i like that lss like will sometimes put like a wink wink nod nod what you're supposed to be doing with this card in the art uh because flicker trick um she is dodging uh a ninja attack and uh, one of the best things you can block with this is going to be a surging strike. So that's kind of a cute wink, wink, not, not kind of a deal in the art, right? Yeah, though it is pretty risky to cast this on a red surging strike because if they have an ancestral empowerment, then your thing gets blown up because it has six power after it gets ancestral empowerment. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. 
we're going to talk about the threat of, of pumpy heats with this card because the other best uh, class you would want to cast this against, obviously, is going to be Ranger because they just have a lot of uh, five power arrows, infect, infecting mm-hmm. shot, um, the one that draws a card, Heat Seeker. Like, there's just a mm-hmm. lot of uh, the Bolton shot. With, if you give a plus one power five so all these are five powered effects but they also run instants called rain razors or <laughs> art of war or um sometimes even what's the lightning one lightning, lightning press, press. Mm-hmm. yeah uh that buff their attacks power and if you block with this and then they do a pumpy power thing then this gets destroyed and even if like you're like okay well they're going to get priority first so if they're going to cast rain razors they're more than likely going to do it before i block so then i just won't block with it okay then you have a useless card in your hand (laughs) (laughs) yeah you did it (laughs) it sure is a red that can only block things that have less than six power um the last thing to note about this card is it seems like it would be solid in the prism mirror if you're trying to block their heralds this is five points towards blocking it because it doesn't break against phantasm or it doesn't sorry it doesn't break against uh illusionist attacks not illusionist yeah but if you're looking for a cyborg card to stop your opponent's heralds you should probably just play a popper yeah so Mm -hmm. i'm not sure if this card will get there or not it doesn't it's an interesting effect zero for five is a very very good rate if you can get it to line up or there's a deck that this consistently lines up against. I'm just not sure there is. Yeah. And like, obviously if you aren't getting the full five value out of it, then it's just kind of fine. It's like just a worse sink blow. So if you use this to block like a snatch, for example, um, then you're only getting four points of value out of it as opposed to your five, because you're not utilizing that extra defense on it actually. So Mm-hmm. we'll see but the other three cards that i had a lot of people come up and ask me about over the weekend were the new bannerettes for bolton they're like what do you think of the new bannerettes oh, is bolton broken now and i'm like if this is all he's getting no he still sucks but i would be shocked if this is all he's getting i think these are fine like marginal uh effects that like are there for the moment but I think what these also hint towards are we will get what we actually want out of the set for Bolton, which is more actual real charge cards. So uh, the issue with Bolton wasn't the fact that he wasn't getting value from the cards he charged, and it wasn't the fact that he didn't have good enough payoffs. It was the fact that he had to attack with Engulfing Light. You know, just make it so I don't have to attack with Engulfing Light anymore, then I'm happy. I think I I, I don't think... I could count how many times you've attacked me with specifically yellow engulfing light, which has not. <laughs> you just look at your hand. You're like, I'm sad for you. I don't even want to block this. Like, I'm sad that I have to block your yellow, horrible zero card to or two card two. Like, okay, sure. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. I think. Also, one other issue with the bannerets is so far they're all in yellow, and Bolton already has too many yellows where yellow cards are just like generally less efficient than reds. I think via the Vanguard and Lumina Ascension both do a pretty good job at being quite Beacon. good for yellows. Beacons, Slash yeah, Cataclysm. Beacons all right. Cataclysm's also all right, though not amazing. Beacons broken. I don't know why you're saying. I, I think Beacons like the best one out of, but via the Vanguard probably the best one. That I think Beacons the second one, and then Lumina. I think Soul Shield's up there as well. Yeah, like there's. I I don't think the issue with these cards is the fact that they're yellow. Like, it's, I think the sure, issue is just sure. like their effects are marginal, and like they're they block for three, like, and they only attack for they're like one for fours. So like, they're just kind of whatever. And they're sure obviously like on the terms yellows. that you don't have it. And when you're building Bolton, basically what you're gonna do is you're going to be like, okay, so I'm Bolton. I want to be charging. Cool. That's, that's what my hero says I should do. I get rewarded. I want cards in my soul. I want charge cards. Okay, what's the math on how many charge cards I want? Baseline 30. Half of your, half of your deck at minimum 
should be charged cards. And you're like, okay, remember all those other powerful cards we just mentioned via the Vanguard, Beacon of Victory, Lumina Ascension, Celestial Cataclysm? Well, that makes three, six, nine, twelve, <laughs> fifteen. So now we're at forty-five cards base. Mm-hmm. And then we get we have 15 more slots for all the rest of the cards in the game to decide what to put in the deck. And like I don't know that the bannerets make it at that point. You know? Fair. Yeah. I I don't know if you have to play 30 charge cards if the other cards are like so strong that like if you have some turns you don't charge, it's worth it because the average power level of your deck is so much higher. Like red, red illuminates. You wouldn't have to play 30 charge cards. Yeah, you want red illuminate too, so you're at uh, eighteen <laughs> cards. Uh, if there's an equipment that like is like a reaction that lets you charge, or if they do something like that where you don't rely, you don't need to rely on the cards, the charge being the actual line on the card itself in order to do that. And if they give like a piece of equipment or some outside additional way for Bolton to like charge, game over. Like I'd be, I'd be through the moon. Like that'd be awesome dude like i'd be so happy i could i would never have to look at an engulfing light ever again ever ever never ever again <laughs> misty agrees yeah i'm glad misty's a bowling fan she says no more engulfing light please just food yeah i'm i'd be very happy to put my foil engulfing lights into a binder and forget about them <laughs> all right Dude, I've been having so much fun playing Levia and Monarch Draft. I'm very excited to see if Levia gets some help in CC. I'm ready to play some class constructed Levia. Yeah, we'll see. We yeah, she's see. been kind of uh, under talked about so far. I, I think everybody's been talking about Prism and Vincent and now Bolton. You know, well, they haven't announced any cards for Levia yet, right? They've announced cards for the other three heroes. Imagine if they just don't support Levia. Did you, could you they can't do that that'd be trolling <laughs> oh my god just actually print zero existed. no they're like levy has actually been good you guys just haven't been doing it right get good by no levy cards because mm-hmm. they're still using the old templated levia internally they're like oh yeah we forgot that we changed her on print we're still using like why aren't you guys using levia she's broken we don't understand mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see hopefully okay. levia gets some sweet stuff i i am excited to play some levia okay well that being said you did the intro do you want to do the outro too uh all right everyone Thanks for listening, and always remember when you're thinking about Levia spoilers or Bolton spoils spoilers, don't forget to mind your manners. We'll see you next time. M-N-R.